Welcome to Yes, X or No Audio. Feedback from family and friends informs me that the style that I use in my rants is more enjoyable to listen to than the more forced style that I use when I'm literally reading an article. So this is not a reading of an article, but a summary of it, and then a bit of a rant on its conclusion. The following is the story of David McBride. I'll give you a summary of the background to the story and then move on, as I said, to a sort of rant on the implications that come from it. So David McBride grew up uh, in what I believe would be northern Sydney. He attended private schools. He went to Sydney University and completed a degree in law. He achieved a scholarship to Oxford University, uh, went there and uh, also completed a degree in law there. Whilst in the UK, he enlisted in the British Army and received uh, training uh, as an officer uh, at Sandhurst. He then, as a young man, had some adventures in Africa and other places and eventually returns to Australia, joins the Australian Defence Force as a lawyer. He is posted to Afghanistan twice, first in 2011 and then in 2013. Whilst there as a military advisor, he learns of a sequence of war crimes that are being committed by members of the Australian Special Air Services, which is the elite uh, military group named after the British version, the Special Air Services, which actually um, McBride attempted to qualify for and failed whilst whilst he was in Britain. Um, so he's advising the Special Air Services as a legal advisor about the legality of their actions, and he learns of these war crimes being committed. Being a lawyer and aghast at this behaviour, he uses the chain of command to alert his uh, superiors as to what was going on and how ghastly and horrible this is. What he does not see is any effective response to his alert. In 2016, the Inspector General of the Australian Defence Forces appoints uh, Justice Brereton from the Supreme Court of New South Wales, that's one of Australia's states, uh, to head an inquiry into these incidents. It would take Brereton four years to deliver his report to the ADF, the Australian Defence Forces. In the meantime, because no action was being taken to limit this blatantly illegal behaviour, war crimes, David McBride contacts the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. It's a government-run media outlet in Australia which does lots of things, um, news, investigative journalism, um, engagement in society, uh, entertainment, and they have the only effective, completely national coverage network for emergency information. They're a really important service, and the, their health... The health of the ABC is actually very important to Australian citizens. They want to see a good quality, um, particularly news and investigative journalism, uh, journalism broadcast uh, from this group. Anyway, so they get these uh, classified files that document these war crimes. And in 2017, they publish something called the Afghan Files. 
And this is a complete shock to Australia. And the reason for that is based upon Australia's creation myth. Australia is rather interesting as uh, one of Britain's colonies. Most of Britain's colonies received their independence following World War II because of the pressure by the US for the you know, previous imperial nations of France and England and whatever to sort of you know, release their vassals. But for Australia, it happened in 2001. In 2001, Australia was incorporated, if you like, as, as a nation. It formed its constitution and the six states, uh, that, those being in order of settlement, New South Wales, Tasmania, Victoria, Queensland, South Australia, Western Australia, and its two territories. The Northern Territory is a huge amount of land in the northern, north of Australia, which is not a state, which means it doesn't have a parliament of its own. And there's a small territory that is formed approximately halfway between Melbourne and Sydney uh, called the Australian Capital Territory, wherein is Canberra, and that is where the Houses of Parliament are located. So six states, two territories. That's just plus outland islands and stuff around, but that's that's Australia as a, as a whole. So, its founding myth is its participation in World War One, and particularly the soldiers of the Corps, known as the as the ANZACs, and that is the Australia New Zealand. Don't forget New Zealand uh, Army Corps. So the ANZACs fought in all through Europe, and but this particular campaign in the Dardanelles uh, at a place called Gallipoli and Sulva Bay are very important to Australia's founding myth. The bravery and heroism that was displayed, but also the resilience and so forth. It's a, it's a fascinating story, beautifully captured by a film released in 1981 by Peter Weir called Gallipoli, which has a haunting soundtrack and is wonderful. And it inv- that also the, the engagement involves uh, Australia withdrawing, the Anzac forces being withdrawn from Gallipoli, Sulva Bay, etc. And that withdrawal was incredibly successful. Nobody died, not even a horse, or maybe one or two casualties, but bugger all. And that was designed by an Australian Lieutenant Colonel um, Blundell, uh, Bludenell White. Anyway... The, the, this is part of Australia's founding myth. The, the 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 ANZAC forces, Gallipoli. This is it. So it is a great shock to Australia to see that Australian special forces are committing war crimes, and not just one or two. There are about I think thirty nine is the total number that were investigated by Justice Brereton. So this comes out in two thousand and seventeen. Australia is of course shocked by this. The Australian government's response to this challenge was delayed, actually, by about a year or so. And it's basically twofold. The first thing they do is they charge David McBride with uh, confiscation of government property. And then they raid the head offices of the ABC, like Australian Federal Police marching into a news organisation and rummaging through all of their files with the ability to, you know, obtain, modify, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, they had authorization to do what the hell they wanted uh, in this, in the Australian government's own news organization, which is crazy in itself. Anyway, they then add more charges to uh, McBride, uh, three uh, offenses against the, the Defence Act and another one which escapes me now. Read the article. So, 
He's the guy who's said these war crimes are being committed. The uh, defense forces aren't doing anything about it, even though this, you know, this inquiry has been set up, but it hasn't returned its re- report yet. And the, on, the war crimes are still going on. It's a, it's a corruption of the fabric of the elite services, right? The elite soldiers. That's the problem. And the Australian Defence Forces are doing nothing about it. To compound the problem, <laughs> in early 2020, the ABC releases another report, Killing Fields by Four Corners, which is, its, which is Australia's premier investigative reporting television show. Uh, they have a history of over 50 years of doing amazing investigative uh, journalist reporting. Yeah, they are amazing. So they release another report showing these war crimes happening in um, Afghanistan by Australian SAS. It's just like, anyway, and then and just before this, the Brereton report comes out in which there are, you know, document the 39 cases that have been investigated and validated and um, the and Justice Brereton is absolutely explicit in his language, uh, that these these war crimes were were conceived, committed, uh, something and covered up. I mean, it's just like there's no doubt about it. They were planned, they were executed, and then they tried to cover it all up. And this is a Supreme Court Justice of New South Wales who's telling the Australian Defence Forces, "You've got a really big problem. Here's the evidence." Go do stuff about it. And he recommends that there are uh, criminal investigations investigated by the Australian Federal Police for, I think it's about 25 people. They deserve to be brought before a court and charged with essentially war crimes. Illegal murder in war. So you've got this this confluence happening. So you've got the Brereton Report and then you've got this uh, program by Four Corners showing even more evidence of the above. It's, it's like the cat is completely out of the bag at this point. So the question is, what does the Australian government do about it? Or what do they allow to happen? David McBride is represented by a lawyer who is an expert in the areas of law which are pertinent to the case. His legal representative submits an application to the court for protection for David McBride under something called the Public Interest Defence Act. This is a bit like anti um, the US Espionage Act, the 1917 Espionage Act, which is which means you can't mount a public defence. That you know, it's a it's a what's it called? I can't remember the term. You know, if you're found guilty, that's it. You can't say there's no mitigating circumstances. You can't say I was acting in the public interest. None of that's possible you know, in the, under the Espionage Act in the US. In Australia, we have this law, this act, right? Public Interest Defence Act. And it says that if you're a government employee and you've observed wrongdoing and you have used the internal mechanisms to report this illegal behaviour and that there is no effective remedy issued and you then go to the media as a mechanism of last resort, then you are protected because the government itself didn't attempt to rectify the problem. And obviously, David McBride is sits wholly under this act. He was working for the Australian military as a lawyer. He, you know, learnt of illegal acts, war crimes. He reported it through the chain of command. Nothing happened. I mean, the, the Brereton uh, inquiry was set up 
but it wasn't going to report for four years. Meanwhile, it still goes on. And so David contacts the Australian National Broadcaster and says, look, you know, there's war crimes being committed. I've got the evidence of it. Sorry, it's classified, so handle carefully. But here it is. Do your thing, media. So, of course, he's covered by this act. Of course he is. I mean, it's, it's just black and white. It's what happens next that, that has raised David McBride's case again. And we learn in this interview that Richard Medhurst conducts with David McBride, which I listened to. So it's about an hour long, and I encourage you to listen to it because it's, it's David McBride speaking himself. You know, it's a, this is like first-person reporting. It's really it's good stuff. So well done, Richard Medhurst, for that. Anyway, the event is as follows. The judge who is to hear the case for the application uh, of uh, David McBride receiving protection under the Public Interest Defence Act of Australia is visited. This judge gets visited by members of the Australian Intelligence slash Security Services. And they warn the judge that there are two witnesses which are to be brought forth by um, McBride's legal team to provide the, the background as to why it is that he should be given protection under this act. And the intelligence operatives warn the judge that if these witnesses are allowed to give their evidence, then that would be a national security threat. I mean, just... Listen to that again. Witnesses in court, you're not allowed to have them because it's a national security threat. So that's alarming in itself. Then what we learn is that the reason that they are approaching the judge is because of uh, suggestion, encouragement, call it what you want, by a foreign power. Now, there's a really funny part in the video where Medhurst asks McBride, who do you think that foreign power might be? And they both crack up laughing because everybody knows it's the US, right? So, so what you have here is the US via its intelligence network, which we first learned about after the Snowden revelations, which is called the Five Eyes. So that's the US, the UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, dominantly English language speaking countries intelligence network. Blah. So they, the U.S. uses that to pressure the Australian intelligence services to go before, to go to a judge, and and essentially threaten the judge not to allow two witnesses to be able to give evidence in court, and in doing so, they are denying David McBride's right to protection under Australian law as defined by the Public Interest Defence Act. And here's the bit where me being such a noob in terms of writing and so forth. I mean, what, what adjectives could you throw at this? I mean, this is outrageous. It's despicable. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. I am literally lost for words as to how to describe this. This is the US subjugating Australian judicial processes for their advantage. The US is scared as hell about what these two witnesses are going to say. And in, because they're, you know, they're screwing the whole thing, David McBride is left without the defence that he has, as enacted by the Australian Parliament. This is disgusting. It's outrageous. The thing that, that I mean, you can talk about all of the, you know, espionage act stupidity and, and the sort of inverse thing that happens with the Interest Defence Act in Australia. But what's actually happening here? You have to sort of nail that. You have to sort of 
just take your blinkers off and look at it, right? This guy, he's been, he's trained under the British, you know, officer program at Stanhurst, you know, at Sandhurst. He's tried to, to qualify for the British SAS, failed, whatever. He joins the Australian military as a lawyer. And what he is enacting, what he is living, what he believes is moral courage. That this is wrong. There are war crimes being committed, and this is a black stain against Australia's SAS. And it needs to be rectified. He believes that what he is doing is right. This is horrible, and it, the, this practice of extrajudicial killing and, and you know, murdering non-combatants and placing radios on them and then taking photographs to make it look like they were combatants or whatever... It, it's despicable and, and horrid. It is this behaviour itself is a rot within the Australia's within Australia's military forces. It is intolerable, and so he stands against it. And what is happening is that he's being persecuted by his government because he believes in the honour of the Australian military. Again, let's come back, that Australia's founding myth is about the Anzac Corps. Don't forget that that involves New Zealand, the Anzac Corps and their, their efforts on the fields of, of Europe, you know, getting done, you know, killed with poison gas and all the horrors of First World War, and particularly the Gallipoli campaign, which is a disastrous failure. And the only good thing about it was the excellent evacuation plan, which was designed by not a Brit who got us in there, but an Australian who worked out how to get us out of it. So this is David McBride. This is his his moral background. He's trying to stand up and he wants to defend the honour of Australia's armed services. And for that, he is being fucked over by the Australian government. And now we see the US coming in and subjugating Australia's judicial processes to protect their own ass. This is horrific and despicable. And as I mentioned in the article, it echoes the treatment meted out upon other whistleblowers, especially Daniel Hale, who's the American uh, whistleblower who was talking about the horrific situation with the use of trains and how they were killing children and, you know, non-combatants left and right. It was... And he's speaking about the trauma that he suffered as the person who was actually doing this. He knew it was wrong. So it's the same thing again, this sense of moral courage. These people are amazing and they should be lauded as bloody heroes. The other person, of course, is Julian Assange. And what the case of McBride trying to to rectify this, this moral corruption inside the Australian Defence Forces as they go about extrajudicial killings. And it echoes the collateral murder video published by WikiLeaks, in which we see this sequence of war crimes, not just killing civilians, but then killing people who come to, to save the people who've been injured. I mean, it's horrific. Now, for that, who has been charged in connection with that sequence of atrocities. Julian Assange, the publisher. None of the soldiers have been charged. The military is immune to this sort of thing. 
And this is why the case of David McBride is such an important case. He's a military lawyer and he is being prosecuted for revealing the war crimes. It is the, it's the nexus. It's the quintessential point of this thing. The, the immunity of the brutality of war is what we are seeing. And that is scary as hell when you look at the level of provocation and war that's going on around the world with the recent um, war games in uh, South Korea, not war games, but actually war exercises, and then the North Koreans fired a missile, a collection of missiles, you know, into the into the sea, and, and then the, the US said, whoa, it's provocation, we're going to do more war exercises and so forth. You've got the Ukraine war, all of the provocations going on with Taiwan, and then there was all the, you know, struggles that are happening in, you know, for control of Africa. But it's, anyway, at the end, we have whistleblowers, and they are heroes, especially the, the people who publish the internal documents and so forth, like WikiLeaks has done, and even more so, the military whistleblowers who bring us the information which we are not allowed to know and describe to us the actual brutality of war. Thanks for listening. Until next time.